details probably messed up, but you can ask Colleen after. But she has a relative in Cameroon that is um, not doing well. Something just happened with um, a bite. So, so my niece notified us yesterday, Daniel, my nephew, who's about five, has bug bites that are infected and they, they don't know what the bug bites are and they gave him a cream um, because he went to the clinic. But when I was walking in here and I went to shut off the phone, <laughs> my sister, there was a message saying, pray for Daniel, his infection in his face and his head is oozing. And um, Ashley, his good friend that's on the base, he works for the State Department, he's not on base, but is a doctor. And she said, Ashley, you can't wait any longer. You need to fly him out of here and get him to a hospital. So that was a message I got when I walked in. So. so usually I forget to bring anointing oil, but just as God would have it, we have it today. And we just want to pray for Daniel and his family. If you just extend your arms, your hands, and um, agreement. Jesus, we just ask that you would be merciful. We ask that your presence would be known and felt and seen and realized. And salvation would happen. But Father, we just pray for Daniel right now that you would touch his body, that you would fix what is wrong, that you would heal him. And Father, for the family, that they would have a tremendous amount of peace but also conviction to draw closer to you, to be blessed by you, but to bless you with a change of lifestyle. But God, we just pray for Todd and Colleen. We ask that you would support them and encourage them right now. We pray for whatever may happen, that they would not lose sight of you and God for Daniel, that he might sense your presence, that he might see you, that he might know that you are with him. And Father, for those involved, for those that are close, may they be able somehow to have a peace that does not make sense, that they would somehow be able to rest in knowing that you are with them and for us. And Jesus, for the other requests that we have, that we feel as a burden, we just give those to you and say, oh God, please help me. And Jesus, that we would walk in strength and walk in freedom, understanding that wherever you take us, you're with us. So, Father, may we have great rejoicing because you are with us. Father, we thank you, and it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And uh, certainly throughout the service, it's completely appropriate to pray for Daniel, to pray for Colleen and the family, as God prompts and reminds you that um, this would be a place of prayer, not a place of talking, but a place of conversing and communicating with Jesus. And so we, um, we thank you for praying. Uh, we mentioned last week, I think it was, uh, one of our friends' um, sons died. He was 19 years old, died in a car accident, and um, that memorial is going to be taking place uh, soon. And we just want to lift up the Pellegrini family. Some of you know Lefty Saya, who passed away this past week. Uh, he was actually a high school buddy with my dad. And when they used to get together with high school basketball games, he would tell stories and stories that probably it was good that there was a statute of limitations. But we just want to lift up the Saya family uh, as they go through this grieving process as well. And um, this is why the church is here, that we can mourn with those that mourn. 
and point people to Jesus and share God's love in practical ways. So Jesus, again, we come to you asking for your presence and strength to, to bring together those that need that brokenness healed, that they would know your truth. So Jesus, we say thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So there are many places where we can reach out and get involved, and um, it's awesome that we don't have to do everything because the Holy Spirit's at work. So as God asks you to go somewhere, you go there, and God asks someone else to go somewhere else, you don't have to be jealous of them. You just let them go where God wants to use them, and the Holy Spirit uses us um, in very powerful ways. So it is good to be the church that follows Jesus. As you give in tithes and offerings, again, we are so blessed and honored to give to so many other people and let them know, especially during the holidays, that they're not alone, that whether it's a meal, whether it's something else, the church is here just to point people to Jesus by helping me physical and practical needs as well. And so uh, thank you for your giving in tithes and offerings. Um, as we've shared, if you miss a Sunday, we are streaming online. There's ways to listen or share uh, sermons, prayer requests after, and we encourage you um, to do that as well. There's this, um, uh, it's going to be a weird transition, bear with me, but there's what I want, there's what God wants, and there's what I want that God wants. We should want all of what God wants, but we don't. We have to grow in that process. And some of you know this as a Venn diagram. This is the Venn diagram of Fast and Furious and oh, Vin Diesel's in the middle of it. So I know it's an awkward transition, but there's what I want, there's what God wants, but there's what I want that God wants, and we find ourselves in the middle like, ah, I should want more of what God wants, so grow in that, that we can follow Jesus. As we look at Acts, Acts of the Apostles, we start to discover more of how God can show us and help us and lead us in wanting what he wants. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is also, today is chapter 17. What is chapter 17? The beyond, what is it? We're past the point of beyond, or past the point of no return. Or we're over halfway. That's what I'm trying to say. We are over halfway. And so it's exciting to be in Acts, knowing that we're over halfway. As Paul and Silas traveled through the towns of this place and this other place and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish, there was a Jewish, a Jewish synagogue. So Paul and Silas then traveled, then traveled, then traveled. What were they doing before? Well, Paul and Silas were meeting with Seller Purple, Lydia, and this is what they did from there. After they spent time with Lydia, after they encouraged the believers, after they were ministered by the, quote, congregation, they again went out to this place. This place, well, if you guys like maps, this is Paul's second missionary journey. This is where he went. This is the route that he took. He did not go uh, north. He did not go west. He went northwest, and then he found himself used in the lives of Lydia, of the uh, slave girl, and of the Philippian jailer. This place uh, that they first went to was a Roman military post. Why would Paul and Silas, after just being in prison by the Romans, imprisoned by the Romans, go to a Roman military post. Wouldn't they go like to a side road? Wouldn't they go the back way? Wouldn't they take a shortcut? Why would they go right through a Roman military post after they were just beaten? They were just put in prison. They were just uh, in shackles for what they were saying. Why would they go back to that very group of people 
because God sent them there. And then this other place, uh, it's named after the Greek god Apollo. The Greek god Apollo. It was named after the Greek god. Was it named after the Jesus god? No. Was it named after a false religion? Yes. Was it named after the truth they're trying to promote? No. Sometimes it's nice for us. I'm going to point out different cities that maybe you guys know something bad, but at least in the Christian world, they've been known as like spiritual bastions of Christianity. Colorado Springs. Yes, Colorado Springs. Christians should go there because you're surrounded by other Christians. It used to be Grand Rapids, Michigan was called the Bible Belt of the North because there are so many churches, so many Christian ministries. Let's go where we can all be around those that think like us, talk like us, feel like us, so they can encourage us. Not, oh, that pagan place? Paul, I just think of Apollo Creed. I mean, I had to throw in a Rocky reference somewhere. So uh, Apollo, it was named after a Greek god. It was not named after something would be inviting for great Christians to go to. You knew you were going into a place of opposition. You knew you were presenting in a place that was going to be confrontational. But if you walk in the spirit, then you can go into places of confrontation knowing the spirit is the healing balm, the soothing ointment, the thing that gets things prepared to receive the truth. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service for three Sabbaths in a row. He used scripture to reason with the people. He wanted to reason with them, sorry, so small, reason with New Living Translation, explain and prove the NIV of the ESV version, pointing out scriptural evidence, the Amplified Version, opening and alleging, this is the King James Version. This is what Paul and Silas did in these areas. When they got to Thessalonica in the synagogue, they said, hey, I'm going to sit down and teach. Now, you guys that are builders, you can laugh, but don't get mad. You can laugh, don't get mad. This is very simplistic. So what they were doing is trying to set the foundation. How do you set the foundation? You need to dig out a place for the foundation. So they were spending the three Sabbaths trying to set the foundation. So they had to remove what had to be removed so they could set the foundation. And then they started to pour the concrete, right? So very simplistic, but they had to set it, pour the concrete so they could build. How many times do we go into a situation and we start to build our case, but there's no common ground. There's no work of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing fostering inside of them this hunger to what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? What is the truth? It's more like I'm right, you're wrong, so listen up to me. The reason why time had to be taken is so the Holy Spirit could go before them and go before us to prepare hearts. So when people read the Bible and people heard the stories, they knew it was not just this great person, but it was what God was doing in and through them. Paul shared his background. He established credibility. He built his case and gave testimony. What is giving testimony is to share witness. What good is it? If you are a witness to a crime, a witness in court, a witness somewhere, if you never share your story. What, how, what good is it if you're a witness to this fact, you're a witness to the salvation that God can give, the witness to God breaking chains, giving you freedom. What good is it if you're a witness, but you never tell about it? 
Well, Paul took three, thrice, I sound smart, thrice, uh, Sabbaths to build this because he was not in a rush because he knew he was called by God. Sometimes we don't know if God called us, so we feel like I need to rush. I need to make my point. I'm going, I'm going, going to have a minimal uh, moment, so I just need to ah, get it all out. And we do a uh, virtual vomit of information on individuals. And say, you got to believe everything. But we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to work. The uh, scripture to line up with what God is doing in people's lives. So it can come alive and say, hey, I do want to make a change. I do have to confess my sin. I want to share with others. It took three Sabbaths. Now I could go into all these stats of uh, normal church attendance. Which normal church attendance is not every Sunday. Normal church attendance for me, you could say it was back in the old days. It, it was back when it was legalistic. Or it was how I grew up. So it's what I know. But all, average church attendance was Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and special services at least twice a year, which meant Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and again Sunday, you had services that you went to. When the church doors were open, you went because the thought was, the more that I can learn about Jesus, the better I can have freedom in my life so I can apply the truth so others might have it. The average church attendance now is once every four weeks. So if somebody said, hey, look at our average attendance and multiply times four and look how many people we have coming to our church because they only come once every four weeks. But that's not the case. So we are saying, well, what I am saying is it takes time to learn the truth of God through the experiences of others revealed by scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Effectiveness with individuals, this is kind of clunky because I came up with it and in my mind it made so much sense and I thought you guys would take pictures and you'd post it and you'd share it and you'd write stories about it and when I die you're going to mention it at my funeral, but that probably won't happen. So effectiveness with individuals equals, it really doesn't equal, but it equates consistent evaluated experience. If you consistently live your evaluated experience with people it's going to be effective because they see your life over time, consistently living. You are willing to learn, which means unlearn to relearn how to apply God's truth to your life and to others. You unlearn and relearn how to apply God's truth, changing in your life and impacting others. He explained the prophecies and proved, this is Paul, that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. This is the good news. Over the three Sabbaths, the three weeks of Paul and Silas and spending time with those in Thessalonica, he was sharing this groundwork. He was saying, I was the apostle of apostles. But I've been shipwrecked and beaten. I was just in prison. Like, you wouldn't believe it, the story. Can you imagine Paul showing up and sharing? Like, he'd be trying to tell you the gospel message. And you'd be like, yeah, but what happened to you last week? Or what happened on your trip here? Or can you just share the story? I know the Bible's good. I know scripture's important. But just tell me you from my ex your experience. And Paul took both what took place in uh, the Bible, but also what he experienced. Just like a week before, this guy was like, in jail and an earthquake happened and they had a guy that was about to take his own life and they said stop and because they stayed 
then they saw his whole family get saved because of the truth that Jesus, that I'm telling you about, is Messiah. He had the credibility to back up his word. Sometimes we look at this jacked Jesus. You guys can laugh. It's comical. It's like kind of heretical. It's like, whoa, we look at a jacked Jesus. I want to follow that guy. Like, he's awesome. He's bigger than Hercules. He can, like, destroy the world. Like, look at this super superhero. And we look at this jacked Jesus. And it was a humble Jesus that sacrificed himself for us. And instead of looking for that jack superhero that, oh, I want to follow him. Everybody wants to be like him. It's, do you want to walk in humility? Because that's how Jesus walked, to do the will of his Father. And as Paul shared this with the people, some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and women and quite a few prominent women. Luke regularly draws attention to the women who joined the Christian movement because, I don't know if you've heard, you probably have heard in the wrong context, but women are as important as men. Both women and men can hear the voice of God. It's not like, hey, man, you hear God's voice. You tell that woman what he said. That's not scripture. And you might say, Jeff, like this is kind of, well, maybe. But it should be because God speaks to us. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter what your background is. God speaks to his creation and wants to bring his creation back to him. Time invested over time, multiplied by time with the power of the Holy Spirit is what brings converts to truth. Now we pause for a moment to take you back to verse 1. Paul and Silas then traveled through these two towns where they were at a what synagogue? What synagogue? Jewish synagogue. Why would you even bring that up? Some of the Jews, Jewish synagogue, who listened were persuaded to join Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing men and quite a few prominent. Come on now. Can't you just leave that out of the Bible? Couldn't it just be like Paul spoke to the Jews, the Jews got saved? Like what an easy, simple message. Because nothing is never that cut and dry. A Jewish synagogue, Greek men. So what does that mean? I, I don't know. I'm not a builder, like I said. These are eaves. I thought like eaves were like eaves are gutters. Eaves are gutters, right? They are. But that's not what I was going for. I was going for eavesdropping. Sometimes these Greek men, these women outside of the synagogue, they were eavesdropping on what Paul was saying to the Jews, what Paul was saying to the Jewish synagogue. Maybe, perhaps, the Holy Spirit, something was at work, that even though they were outside the walls of the Jewish synagogue, God was still compelling them and making them feel alive and drawing them close to this message that they were eavesdropping on what is Paul saying inside this Jewish synagogue. And could it just be for me as well so some of the jews who listened were persuaded and joined paul and silas along with many god-fearing greek men and quite a few prominent women because they dared to believe that even though it was a confined message within the jewish synagogue the holy spirit was still speaking to them and talking to them about freedom about hope of breaking of addiction about uh getting free from things that just take you down but some of the jews were so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob to start a riot. 
They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. But some of the Jews were jealous. Some of the Jews were jealous. Speaking at a Jewish synagogue, three Sabbaths over time, but they were jealous. It's been said about uh, unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. But I was reminded Wednesday, I think it surely mentioned it, of this, that there was a snake that went into uh, this garage. And what it did in the garage, it uh, got cut and nicked. And it got mad because it got cut and nicked. So it just wrapped around. It's like, well, I'm going to show whatever cut and nicked me that I'm boss. And so it wrapped around. And as it wrapped around, it got cut a little bit more and started to bleed. And the snake said, oh, I'm going to get whatever cut and nicked me, whatever causing me pain. I'm going to show it to boss. I'm going to take care of it. So the snake, it wrapped around the saw and thought that, oh, the saw cut and nicked me. I'm going to show it that the snake and all its ignorance ended up taking its own life because it chose to be offended. Too many times when we are jealous, we are choosing to be offended and drinking that poison ourselves or doing damage to our own bodies because we're like, oh, I'll show them. They gathered, gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace. These troublemakers in the Greek, it says that they were evil, wicked, or bad people. They had committed previous crimes. And I just kind of, well, I'll get on with it because we might think we would never go and say, hey, who has a rap sheet? Who's been in jail? Like, I'm going to be the town crier. I want you to help uh, get these people that I think are bad. We wouldn't do that because we're good Christian people. Look, we're here on Sunday, but we might gossip or share prayer requests. Well, I probably shouldn't share, or you probably already know, but we need to pray for them because what they did, well, yeah, it was bad. It was badder than you really thought. It was, it's, you know, we really need to pray because it was worse. I know badder is not a word. I just said badder because I like saying badder. But they were causing dissension. Dissension. This is from the Merriam-Webb Dictionary. Disagreement, especially what partisan? What where it is usually associated partisan politics? Partisan and contentious quarreling. We caused dissension because oh, I don't know. You saw the news by how they voted. We just stirred stuff up because well, we wouldn't say it's jealous. We wouldn't say like we're trying to cause dissension. We want to raise people to know what Jesus is. But this new term, gaslight. Sometimes people psychologically manipulate a person over an extended period of time so that the victim questions the validity of their own thoughts. How many times, how often have you been part of a conversation that you're just having fun? You're just laughing. You're talking about the game. You're just sharing about your kids. You like love the food. It's just a good time. Then somebody brings up something and you're like, Ugh, here we go. And then somebody starts talking. Somebody starts talking. Somebody joins in because they don't want to feel left out. And then somebody says, well, they're talking, so I'm going to talk. And then and all of a sudden, from having an encouraging time and encouraging time being together, you have this, ah. But some of the Jews were jealous. Well, Jeff, when that person comes and leads worship, everybody asks for their autograph. Everybody stands when they sing. Everybody loves them. 
Well, when that person, when they show up, like people give them money. People love that ministry. What about me? Like, well, of course, they love the church that's a mile wide and only an inch deep. But what about us? We're like two inches wide and 30 feet deep. Like, don't we matter? We start to think that because God has the parable of the talents. Because God says, you have this talent, they have that talent, they have that talent. Use your talents for me. We think because God has given talents that we feel left out. God has given us talents to be used for him. Let's not be jealous about it and start to divide the church. Because what if that Jewish synagogue, instead of getting being jealous, they started to say, how can we work together for the truth of God? Now, finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. This makes me kind of laugh because what if it wasn't just the pastor? What if they're looking for Bethany and I and they couldn't find us? They'd say, hey, who's on that LAC? Oh, well, Lisa's off with her bomb this weekend. But Dennis, Dennis is here. We'll take Dennis. Oh, Jamie, Jamie, you're here. You're associated with that Jeff character. You guys, you're coming with us. You're like, hey. I'm trying to follow Jesus, not Paul and Silas. What are you talking about? I'm trying to follow what God wants, not like Jeff and Bethany. Jeff and Bethany, you don't even know the half of it. I wouldn't. It's just like Jesus isn't. And so at the end of this, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. And now they are here disturbing our city too. All over the world. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be my Jesus witnesses, telling people about me, him, Jesus, everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what Paul and Silas were doing. This is why they were being under persecution. Not finding them, they were dragged out, disturbing the city. Disturbing the city. Disturbing the city. Disturbing the city. Do we disturb the city? Or how do we disturb our city? When I was a kid, my dad's like, you don't live in a city, you live in a town. I was like, oh, no, dad, it says city. So I just put like Waterbury City. He's like, well, that's a town. Well, it, I digress. How would our local community be impacted if Living Hope Wesleyan Church was gone? Do we, quote, disturb the city enough that they would miss us, that they would care, that the kids that hopefully we pray for each week would no longer have that prayer support, that those people at the food shelf that count on us as a church to provide, to give, to serve, would they be impacted that they couldn't reach out to other people in the community? What if we were not here? How do we disturb the city? Do we disturb them with goodness, with provision, with helping? And Jason has welcomed them into the home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. Thrown into turmoil by these reports because what Paul and Silas were preaching in the Jewish synagogue had changed lives for the better and people had changed what they were addicted to, had changed what their proclivities were. They had changed what they wanted. They wanted to go after Jesus in his way. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond. What? I thought like they were in trouble. Well, they were in trouble until, as you read, as you study, they were in trouble until they actually opened the case file and said, we don't have a case. Like, we can't hold them. Like, there's nothing that they've done that's bad. They've just done good. They've been following Jesus' example of just, like, doing good. What was 
What if that could be said about us, about you? Somebody gossips about you at work. Somebody is jealous of you in school. And what if the teacher or your boss started to look into it and they said, I don't see it. Like whatever you're saying isn't true because they're just giving. They're just serving. They're trying to help. They're here for others. So we go from the officials first, Jason and the other believers to post Paul. And they said, get out of here. Get out of here. We aren't going to hold you. They said, get out of here. This took me to Revelation because Jason was accused. Jason was accused, but when they opened the case file, he was not found guilty. Jason was accused, but he was not found guilty. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The accuser of the saints. Satan, the accuser of our brothers and sisters, has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Paul and Silas beaten, put into prison. This guy, Jason, taken out of his home, accused falsely because people were jealous of what God had done through the lives and in the lives of other people. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. That very night, read this out loud with me, everybody, together. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. That's about 50 miles away from Thessalonica. When they arrived there, they went to the... Why would they go to the Jewish synagogue? This doesn't make sense if you think about it. That very night, they escaped. They were sent out. They were removed from that opposition. They were 50 miles away. They were free. They could take a breath. They could get some good food. They could go to bed. They could laugh. They could have a party. They could go straight back to the Jewish synagogue to share about the hope they had in the salvation of Jesus because, do I dare say it, that hook was still in them to share the message of Jesus. So what does this mean? Like, how does this apply? Don't get jealous. Don't be jealous. Don't become jealous. It's like, it's bad. It's like this little irritant that becomes more of an irritant. And it's like a little toe hole that becomes a stronghold. Then it becomes a foothold. Then you're just stuck. Then you're just locked. Then you're just addicted. Then you can't move. Then there's just something like you can't break away from it. That's how jealousy looks with like, I wish I had her voice, or I wish I had his hair, or I wish. Hey, don't get jealous. Fix your eyes on Jesus and say, how, Jesus, can you reveal to me how awesome you are so I want to serve others because of you? So when I have an opportunity to be free, I'm like, I don't want to be free for anything else but to share with others the freedom that you can give. And I think that 
is a hope we have as Christians. So we're going to finish with a song. I made fun of my mom, so I had to pick one of her favorite songs. But I love this song because even though we think the days of Elijah, hey, that already happened, there's prophecy that God is going to come back and restore his people. Thank you.